All right. Woohoo! Woo! Yeah. I thought I thought this was a student ministry. Y'all got to give it. Woo! All right. That's close, dude. All right. I want to say a couple things uh, for us tonight. Let me pray before we start. Scott has filled me in on where you guys uh, have been tracking up to this point. And so I just want to um, finish up this uh, short series for you guys. I want to encourage you, but to be honest with you, I want to challenge you big time. Um, I've prayed for you this past week after I found out that I was going to be the one who was going to be speaking to you. So um, it's going to be a rough one. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your great love for us. Lord, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you've shown us the truth. God, I know that we don't truly understand or realize the blessing that we have from just being able to understand you just a little bit. You've revealed to us what life looks like, what real life. And so, God, tonight, as, as we sit here before you, God, I pray that we would listen with our ears, open our minds and our hearts, so your Holy Spirit can convict us and show us and prove to us what is right and real and true. We love you, Jesus. We pray this in your name. Amen. A few years, in, uh, a few years ago in seminary, one of the things that, um, boy, this is tough to see Scott doesn't do a lot of reading, does he? Um, One of the things that they told us was um, that the best thing you can do for uh, the people that you're teaching or preaching to is is to read the Bible to them. It's one of the things that that most people don't want to hear, right? I mean, it's not that they don't want to. It's it's almost like when a book is read. If, If in the book there are quotes from the Scripture have you ever noticed this about yourself? You'll like read the book and then you'll like skip the quotes. And for those of you who've been in Christianity a while or maybe you were raised in Christianity, you kind of skip those because you're like, I know that one. That's John 3.16, you know, for God so of the world and, you know, some other good stuff. So you like skip that part, right? Well, here's the deal. The best thing that anyone will ever do for you who teaches you is read the Bible to you. That'll be the best thing anybody can ever do for you. Because my commentary, anything that I would like to say, won't match even close in comparison to what God has already said. So I'm going to do something a little bit odd tonight. I know that we're talking about Alive here, and and over the past few weeks, uh, Scott, uh, the first week, and then Ben last week, talked about kind of some characteristics of what things that are alive are like, right? The first week, does anybody know what Scott said? Alive things grow. Alive things grow, right? Like, if it's alive, it will not remain a baby if it's a human being. Or an animal won't remain a puppy or a a kitty cat, right? I mean, like, they grow into full maturity. The second week, last week, Ben talked about something, alive things. What was that one? Come on, really? Y'all know this one, right? I wasn't even here. I'm sorry? Oh, good point. Bro wasn't here either. Come on, some of you guys who were here, alive things aren't alone, right? Alive things don't live alone. Uh, Things that are alive, one of the things, and and, and I'm going to point this out in just a little bit, 
when things are alive, it's like they're together with other things. Things that are alive, things that are left alone when they're alive, listen, they become very weird. <laughs> All right? People in general. Well, this week, what we're going to talk about it's something that's very, very important, and here's what I want to do. Man, I'm going to hit you hard, all right? So if you weren't ready for tonight, this is going to be painful, all right? Here's, what I, here's, here's another characteristic of alive things. They move, all right? How many of you would say, now listen, maybe I should do this with your heads bowed. I don't, I, I don't know, not that we're, you know, this is not, we're not calling for salvation here. But I don't want you to lie, okay? I won't even have you raise your hands. Raise your hand like it's in your mind, okay? Just raise your mind hand, all right? How many of you would say that you are no doubt about it a Christian? Woo! Yeah! Woo! That's what I'm talking. Yeah! Woo-hoo. Like, you know that about you. Let me read just a few areas of Scripture. You're not going to believe this. Here is what the Bible says about who you are, okay? John 3.16. Check this out. I don't even know why I'm turning there. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, right? His only begotten, the only one that he had, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says if you've given your life to Christ that you were dead, but now you're alive, all right? Here's another one. Uh, Let's see. Let me pick out which one. I've got like eight here. Um, Ephesians chapter 2. Look at this. Listen to this one. Should have written them out, shouldn't I? Is Ephesians in the New Testament? Where is that? Okay. Listen to this. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, listen to this, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Check this out. And let's see, what's what's another one? Uh, Romans. That's in the New Testament as well, right? Romans chapter 8. Verse 10, look at this. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. In in, in just a previous chapter, I can barely read up here. Uh, uh, Verse 11, chapter 6. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves, listen to this, to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Jesus our Lord. Then over in Colossians, check this out. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, listen to this, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. You know what the reality is? We don't realize that truth. Listen, you can talk about being a Christian all day long, like, you can sing the songs and wave the hands. and Like, you could even carry a big, huge, mugging family Bible everywhere you went. And be going, oh, man, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. But here's the reality. If you're a real, true follower of Jesus Christ, you know how you're going to know? How are you going to know? Just a couple of people. How are you going to know if somebody's a real follower of you? How, how are you going to know? Is it going to be by what they say? Is it going to be by how, by how they dress or the, if they carry a Bible with them? Or is it going to be the friends they hang out with? Or is it going to be, I don't know, a thousand other things. How are you going to know somebody is a follower of Jesus? 
You know, when Scott touched on the fact that alive things grow, and I'm sure he challenged you to say this. Are you growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ? And listen, you know the answer to that question. That's not a tough question. If somebody says, are you the same as when you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember when you gave your life to Christ, those of you who have? Do you remember what you were like? Do you remember how different you became or what that was like to be different than you were? But you were, and the Bible says this, a babe in Christ Jesus. Are you the same as you were then, today? He challenged you on that. And then last week, Ben talked about that uh, 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 alive things aren't alone. I mean, if you're here tonight, you're kind of proof of that. But, but let me just say this. If this is the only place that you're a Christian, you're going to be weak and anemic because <laughs> this just won't get it. One of the things about being alone kind of goes with grow. Listen, your relationship is with Jesus. Your time with him is important. You should never be alone. Not by yourself away from God or by yourself away from people. But this one, when we talk about alive things move, here's what I want you to know. Alive things are people who make disciples. You said, now hang on, Tom. This seems to me like what you're talking about, you should be talking about in front of all the old people over in the sanctuary in about an hour because they're the people who make disciples. And maybe not even them, but the truth is the eight, nine, ten pastors who are on the staff, surely you're talking about them, right? Like if you're talking about making disciples, you're talking about people who know the Scripture, who can sit with somebody, lead them to the Lord, but then like take them on a process of years of teaching them about Jesus Christ. The problem is, is that's not what the Bible says. See, the Bible almost made disciple-making, listen to this, normal Christianity. Have, you ever, have any of you ever read the book by Watchman Nee called The Normal Christian Life? Anybody read that book? You should. Is anybody raising their hands? Is anybody here? Okay, on in the back. Oh, praise the Lord. All right. <clears throat> in that book, he talks about some things that, to be honest with you, in our culture, is not even close to normal. In one of the books that I read that, that, that he wrote uh, called How to Study the Bible, which I don't know if you've read that either, but another phenomenal read, he talked about normal Christianity like this. Listen to this. He said when somebody gives their life to Christ, they should spend no more. Check this out. You're not going to believe this one. They should never spend more than two to three hours per day in the Word. Did you hear what I said? Southern accent and all. Did you hear me? Two to three hours Listen, if I could get some of you to spend two or three minutes, we should throw a party. Two to three hours. Like Watchman Nee, who was a, 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 a Chinese, who was a, a fellow who was put in prison because of his faith. He, he, he spent uh, 20, 22 years of his life in prison, died there. Because, one reason, because he was a Jesus follower. That's it. Like his faith shone so much that they took him, they locked him away, he died, his, his wife died one year, he died the next year, and check this out, he was only 52 years old. He said that normality to him and what he thought the Bible taught is something totally opposite of almost every cultural teaching there is. 
See, one of the questions that I had when I was getting prepared and getting ready for this uh, uh, sermon tonight was this. I don't think we really know what death really looks like. I don't think we understand what dead is. I mean, because here's the deal. When you were born, and I read it like four or five times, you were dead in trespasses and sins. See, here's the deal. Until a person gives their life to Christ, they are dead. I know they walk around. I get that, all right? I know there's blood pumping through their veins. I know they eat. I know they do other things. We don't really want to talk about it here. But, but the, I mean, the truth is, is they're alive. But here's the deal. And I'm not even talking about physically. I'm talking about spiritually. But in Genesis chapter 3, do you remember the, the story of Genesis chapter 3? Do you know what the Genesis chapter 3 is about? Now, come on, you Christian school kids. You've got to know this. All right, what is Genesis chapter 3? What is it? Two words, the, yes, the fall, right? The fall. So here's what happens. Here, here's what God said. In, actually, in chapter 2, he tells, uh, God tells Adam because he's the only dude around. Right? He says, Adam, listen, um, <clears throat> you see all this? It's yours. And here's what I want you to know. You can have anything you want from here. You can eat from any tree that you want, he said, except for the one that's right in the middle of the garden. And the one in the middle of the garden, make sure you stay away from it. Adam said, yes, sir. Two verses later, he creates Eve. So Eve didn't hear the story, right? Well, here's the deal. In, in chapter 3, God uh, is, is not around Adam and Eve. And, of course, you know how it goes. The serpent comes up, begins to deceive Eve. And the Bible in, in the New Testament tells us that Adam ate willingly, but that Eve, she was deceived. That God said, don't eat it, but she ate, right? Well, when that happened, what God had told Adam was in chapter 2, from the day that you eat this, here's what he said, you will surely die. Surely here was a, a, a way to say, it's going to happen. Okay, Here's what happens. Put your tongue and your teeth to this fruit. You are going to die. For me and you, when we hear that, we're like, oh, 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 oh. You know, I try to scare my kids, you know, if you do this. And sometimes parents, you know, we, we exaggerate just a tad on these issues. If you do that, you'll die. Because we want to scare them, right? Well, oh, I'm not going to die. Well, God actually said that. And, and, and when she ate, do you know that what the devil had told Eve, they thought actually came true? Because they didn't die. The problem was if Eve didn't know what death was, she'd never seen it. Did you know that God created us to live forever? Had Adam and Eve not eaten the fruit, here's the deal. We'd still be in the garden today. We might not have hip-hop or, you know, country music or anything like that, but we would have been in a garden, okay? He created us to live forever. They ate, they fell. They didn't understand what death really was. That day they spiritually died, absolutely, but here's the deal. What they didn't know was is there was going to come a day when they were also going to physically die. How do you know that? Genesis chapter 4. They have two sons, right? Cain and Abel. Cain grows up. He's like the he's like the farmer, you know. He's like farmer, you know. He's like the guy that raises the crops, and he's like gathering it all, and he's going to bring it to God. And he says, God, here you go. And God's going, that's not what I'm looking for. Abel, on the other hand, he's like the herder. He's, he, he's got like cattle and and, and, and animals and livestock and stuff. And so what he does is he takes his and he brings it to God and he, he sacrifices it to God and God's like, 
you to man. That's probably not literally what he said, but you know what I mean. Because of this, Cain got ticked at Abel, right? You remember that story? So Cain threw a party for Abel. Is that what he did? Cain, you know, went out and bought Abel a brand new Mercedes. That's what he did because he sold some of his crops. And No, here's what he did. He killed him. Killed him. Graveyard dead killed him. Abel is laying out, right? Here comes Adam and Eve. This isn't in the scripture. This is, this is only my glorified imagination. Adam and Eve walk up to Abel. They're like, Abel, that's a weird place to take a nap. Up. Get up. Let's get with it here. We've got you know, stuff to do. I mean, you have herds that are you know, running free. Abel, get up. Can you imagine the look on Adam's face? Can you imagine the feeling in Eve's heart when they touched him and he was cold? Can you imagine what that was like when he didn't move? When I, uh, you probably, I don't know if you know who my kids are. If I want to tell you, you might not listen after this, but if, if, for all my kids, when they were little, your parents did this too. They would stand over you for a time, and those of your parents, you know you did this, I did this. We'd stand over the crib, and we would watch our kids sleep. I know it's weird. You'll do it too, and here's going to be the reason that you're going to do it. Not because it's cute, you want to put it on Twitter or Facebook. Not because that's just what you do. Because We did it before we had all that stuff, and the reason we did it is the same reason you're going to do it, and here's why. Because when we first have them, they are so still when they sleep that even when you, listen, there were times where like, oh my goodness, I hope, is he still alive? And so I would put my hand on their back and I could feel them breathe. And I was like, whew, all right, thank you, Lord, right? Those of your parents, you know, anybody did that here? Anybody but me, right? No, no, everybody who's a parent does that. Here's why. Because when things don't move, we don't know if you're alive. Now now listen in a spiritual sense, okay? Christianity is not for you. It's not for me. It's not for us. We love Christianity. I want to be a Jesus follower, but here's the deal. If the only reason that you're a follower of Jesus is for some benefit for you, I doubt your salvation. i got to be honest. See, here's what Scott sees every week from some of you, I'm sure, all right? And I don't know you. I know just a few of you. That's why I can just be who I want to be, and I don't give a rip. Scott looks at some of you that he knows very well, and you look like you're able laying there. You know why? Because you're not moving. Because alive things, what they do is they move. In Christianity, when you're somebody who, you know, drives on the church parking lot and you roll in the door and you come and you get the high fives and you're giving the what's up, you know, to everybody in the room. And, you know, you got your cool on. I see some of you guys, you know, you're like, hey, what's up, babe? What's up? What's happening? You know, and, and, and you don't have a prayer. But you think so, right? And some of you girls, you like got it. You got everything going on. You got it just the right way and it looks good and you come down and then Ben starts to sing and you give it this right here 
that there's anything wrong with that. The problem is, Scott knows this is the only time he likes it. All the rest of the time, what he sees out of people, and what I see out of people, and to be honest with you, what I see out of myself sometimes, is stillness. I don't know how many of you were here a few weeks ago when I preached in the, in the main sanctuary, but and I'm not going to quote like I did then, which I'm not even using my notes mainly because I can't see them. But I talked about hell. And a couple of things I said were, was this, that in hell people are always dying but never dead. Hell is not a place of annihilation. People don't go to hell and then just all of a sudden burn up like a cup in a, in, a, in a fire. They live and burn there forever. One of the other things I said about hell, and these were just quotes from other people, was that, and I forget what it was, it slipped my mind now. Um, probably this black light in my eye. Um, that people after millions of decades, eras, eons, will realize that they're no closer to the end than when they began. You say, Tom, you trying to scare us? No, if I could, I would, to be honest with you. I can't. I can't convict you of anything, but here's what I want you to know. As a believer in Jesus Christ, you know all those numbers Scott's given us throughout the last couple years? You know, at Coronado, there's 3,000 people there, and of the 3,000 people, 2,850 people are lost. Does anybody go to Coronado in this room? Do you know what that means? If that's true, at Dale Webb, it's the same way at Sylvester, at Silverado, at Liberty. Those percentages are the same. Do we care? Some of you go to Christian school, you know this. Everybody there is not a Christian. Do we care? You say, Tom, you started this thing off by saying, you know, we're supposed to make disciples, and, and that's really kind of an older person type deal. You know, I'm a 7th grader, I'm a 10th grader. It's really not my thing. Here's the deal. The Bible knows no Christianity outside of Christians leading other people to Christ so they can be Christians too. The Bible doesn't know anything else about any, any of that. So here's what I want to challenge you with. Are you growing? For some of you, I don't know if you were here this morning, Pastor Vance talked about a verse in the Bible that says, Be holy for I'm holy, says the Lord, right? We start talking about holiness. People, you know, they get all like, well, you know, I'm not God. Can't do everything right, you know. I'm not perfect, and I don't know, you know, I know it's Jesus in me, but, dude, I still make mistakes, and God never said you wouldn't. The problem is, practically, is that who you want to be? Do you want to be a person who's living a holy life? Because here's the deal. You know that image I gave just a minute ago? You walk in, you got everything right, you're giving the, you know. That, here's the deal. When you walk away from here, what are you like? I mean, when you lay your head on the pillow at night, who's the real you? I know we got younger people in here than, than 
maybe they shouldn't hear me say this. This is just, this is Tom the Christian, not Tom the dad, even though I've used that for my own devices before. Do you know that God intends for you to be pure, whiter than snow, sexually, when you get married? See, for some of us, we're giving God all the praise, and then, man, we have... We've been sucked in and duped into this world system that says, here's the deal. Here's what you got to do. Blop, 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 blop. And it's weird if you're not, right? To stay a virgin until you're married, are you kidding me? Something's got to be wrong with you, and that's weird, and I won't be in the crowd. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the deal. You're not dead anymore. Stop acting dead. Are you somebody who loves easily and forgives quickly? Are you somebody who's full of mercy and grace and gives truth at the same time? Because here's the deal. If there are people in this room that get on your nerves, and here's, here's what I want to tell you. You're acting like a dead person. You're not dead. While you were dead, now you've been made alive in Christ. So what does that look like? Your, the, the, the holiness of your life. Are you growing in your walk with God? Are you spending time with God? Is He changing you every day of your life? Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to wait until you're 18, 19, 20, 30, 40, whatever, whatever the age is that always moves with people. I don't want you to wait to think that you can have an, an impact in this world. At almost every age in this room, barring sixth graders and maybe some seventh graders, in the Hebrew context, you were considered an adult. Do you know why? Because you can be. That's another area we've been duped in. Here's what I want you to do. Don't live like a dead person. And listen, if you are living like a dead person, then don't say you're a Christian because you're killing the rest of us. And I mean that. You know why? Because a lot of things move. Listen, you are somebody who's been bought for a price. Jesus Christ shed his blood. You accepted him. Here's what you did. You repented of your sins. You placed your faith and trust in him, and you forsook. Listen to this. All your hopes and dreams, everything that you were, you forgot about all that. You know why? Because you became dead to sin and alive to Christ. Now it's Jesus Christ living through you. You say, Tom, I just really want the salvation part. Well, here's the deal. There is no salvation apart from repentance and faith. Salvation is not given so that you could miss hell. That is definitely awesome. Jesus wants a relationship with you. But you are now his. A lot of things move. Let me ask you this. When Scott, and, and he's going to do this if he already hasn't. I don't know, if Ben, you guys tell me if he's done this or not. In the summer, this group is going to go to Thailand. Some of this group are going to go to Thailand. Obviously, it would be awesome to take 60 or 70 people. But when I say that, what is your thought process? What is it? I mean, they're coming back from Salt Lake City, and I know sometimes, you know, schedules and all that stuff. But here's the deal. In your heart of hearts, what, do you, what does that do for you? Because the Bible says in every gospel and in Acts, 
that we've been sent, that God himself has asked us not just to be here in Vegas, here at your home base, here in your home, in your school, wherever you live in your neighborhood, but Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, that you should care just as much about the, 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 the people deep in the Amazon who've never heard or the people in the Middle East who have no access to the gospel or in China, the 1.2 billion people. Out of those 1.2 billion people, there are hundreds of people groups who don't even have access to the gospel. In India, it's exactly the same. That you should care as much about your brother or your sister, literally, or your mom or your dad who don't know Christ. You should care as much about those people as you do your family. You know why? Because it's Jesus in you. You are dead to sin, but you are alive in Christ. You know why? A lot of things move. If you're the same that you were, then how do you know? Were any of you here, did, let me ask you this, does anybody know what happened one year ago today? Do you know where you were one year ago today? Anybody? Does anybody know? Anybody still here? Does anybody know where you were one year ago? Is anybody? Ben, do you know where you were one year ago today? Yeah, I thought you did. Me too. Y'all remember this? Who remembers this? Anybody? Okay. Woo, praise the Lord. One year ago today, you guys signed this right here. One year ago today, there was no heat in this room. It was cold. There was no carpet. There was basically a shell. I think the walls were on, but the doors were open, and, 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 and we had some heaters. Did we have heaters in here? Does anybody know? Eric, did we have heaters in here? Last year, you guys, what you did was, those of you who were here, and they have it on the screens right now, you wrote down your favorite Bible verse. And actually, underneath the carpet, those are still there. Look at all those. There's the piece of board that I have with your names on it. Scott keeps that in his office. He's pretty proud of it. I stole it. Not really. He knows I have it. And when Scott challenged you guys last year, here's what he wanted you to be. Well, we talked about with Coronado and Liberty and Silvestri and... Silverado and Del Webb and one other middle school. I forget which one it was. Anybody remember? Greenspun, was that what it was? Whatever, listen, wherever you go to school, one of the things he wanted you to know was, you listen, this is like the rally troop time right here. You know, I mean, this is like when we get together and go, all right, man, let's just, you know, let's do this. And here we go. And woo, this is not the place that you come in and you go, woo, where's the basketball? I mean, it, it's fun. That's not all we're doing. Oh, where are my friends? Oh, no, here's the deal. We're here for encouragement. A few years ago, I went to um, uh, China, and I met a young man there who was saved when he was 17 years old. He was 22 He was 22 at the time, saved when he was 17. Uh, when his parents found out that he was a Christian, they actually kicked him out of the house, gave him his inheritance, and told him to live like an orphan because he was acting like one. This kid, I'm talking about this kid's super sharp. This wasn't your average run-of-the-mill kid. This kid was a genius he came from a wealthy family, which that's all relative in China. But in China, he came from a wealthy family. And I remember I spent a lot of time with him, and he was with our group a lot. And, and one day, Max asked me. I was, I was with a guy that I was actually discipling, one of our college kids. And he looks at me, and he said, um, well, he, no, I'm sorry. He, he looked at Russell, and he says this. Here's, here's, here's what he says. Listen to this. He said, Russell, 
He said, how many people are you discipling? And Russell was like, um, uh, two, um, but one doesn't know it, which was kind of odd. Russell asked Max, he said, how many are you discipling? Do you know what Max's answer was? 53. Here's a kid who was no longer a kid, obviously, who'd been kicked out of his family, given his inheritance, told to leave the family because he was acting like an orphan. He didn't, his parents didn't want to see him again. They were atheists. They wanted him to be atheist. He looks at my guy, and here's what he says. How many of you discipling? Two. How many? How about you? Fifty-three. You know what causes that? Not, not intelligence, not a love for Jesus more than anything else, but here's what, here's what causes that. When you're in a place where you understand, listen, he wasn't worried about an Xbox, a girlfriend. He wasn't worried about money. He wasn't worried about getting a great job so that they, so they could have lots of stuff, a big house, a lot of, you know, vacations. And, he, and here's why. He was concerned about staying out of jail. You know that in t- today, Max is still in China. He's more bold than he's ever been. He's been arrested twice. He's now around 25 years old, 26. You know what drives him? He doesn't have anything, doesn't want anything except for God. There's a part of me that wish I lived like him. And there's a part of me that wishes you lived like him. I love our freedom, but our stuff's killing us. And here's what we're doing. We know there are 2,800 people at our school that don't know the Lord. That there are 1,710, I looked at the stats, people at this middle school at Del Webb who don't know the Lord. We know there are 2,300 people who don't know the Lord at liberty. We know, listen, we know these things. Do we care? You realize if Jesus comes back now, almost every person in your class, if you go to a public school, will go to hell. Some of you live in families right now where your parents or your brothers and sisters or your uncles and aunts or your cousins, you know that if Jesus were to come back now, they would spend eternity in hell. You say, I don't believe that. Well, it doesn't matter what you believe. It matters what the Bible says about it. And that's what the Bible says. Here's the awesome thing. You carry the truth. You carry the truth. So are you alive or not? Tonight, I don't want to close in a weird way of asking you to give your life to Christ even though you can. I don't know who is and who isn't. That's not for me to know at this moment, but here's what I do want you to know. Some of you have probably been playing the game. You know, you prayed the prayer. I was eight, man. I prayed the prayer. You know, Miss So-and-so helped me or my mom or my dad. and I just wanted to miss hell. You know, I accepted Jesus into my heart, which, by the way, nowhere in Scripture like that. Here's what I want to know. If you've repented of your sins, like the Bible says, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? And you're a Christian. If you haven't, listen to me close. You aren't. You say, man, I hope Scott never has that guy. 
Here's what I, listen. I don't want you to be duped into thinking you are something you aren't. Are you a real follower of Jesus? And if you are, let me read this passage to you and I'll be done. In Romans chapter 10, verse 14, the Bible says this. Paul asked this question. Listen to this. He actually asked three in a row. How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? That word believe is the same word as trust. It's the same word as faith. So you can put any word you want in there for that, of those two words, three words. Believe, trust, faith. How shall they call on him in whom they have no faith? How shall they call on him in whom they haven't trusted? How shall they call on him in whom they not believe? Listen to this. And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? Then he goes a little further. And how shall they hear without a proclaimer? You know that hell story I told you just a minute ago, the quotes? Always dying, never dead. Here's the question that Paul had for his hearers, the people he wrote to here in the book of Romans. He knows the answer to these questions. How are they going to believe in somebody they haven't heard of? How are they going to do that? They're not. And how are they going to hear if nobody tells them? See, the truth is, is if I went around the room and I asked you, how many of you would call yourself a Jesus follower? And the second question, and, and many of you say yes, and the second question would be, tell me who you've led to Christ. Tell me somebody God's put in your life that you've helped them see the light of Jesus. You wouldn't have an answer. And I'm not getting on you about it. I'm just being real here and honest. That's not a healthy belief. Is there anything in you driving you, pushing you, understanding you, grieving in your heart? Because a lot of things just don't grow and they're not just alone. Here's a lot of things move. Christians make other people see the gospel. You can't make them or use your own words, you help them. Disciples. This is what Francis Chan said. Are disciple makers. Disciples make disciples. If you're not a believer, you can't make a disciple. But if you are, if you're a Jesus follower, who's your disciple? You know why? Because a lot of things move. Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for your word. God, you have challenged me in just the preparation. It's so easy for us in this setting to be complacent. God, nobody else is doing it. Why should I? At the same time, God, we know we lay our head on the pillow at night that we're not even striving for holiness, period. So, God, just a couple of things here, and I just want to relate to these young people. And, I, God, I pray you speak to them. As the band just begins to play softly, I want you to think about just a couple of things. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and you stop me and never ask me back again.
listen, I don't want to hear about some decision you made when you were seven or five or three or whatever, 11. I, listen, I'm not talking about a time you prayed a prayer, that you signed a card, that, you know, you got in the big pool and they dipped you down. Listen, I'm not talking about that. Here, here's what I want to know. If, you, if God were to come back right now, do you know for sure that you would go with him? Not because of anything you've done or haven't done, but because of what he did and, and how you've repented and placed your faith in him. It's not difficult. And listen, I'm not trying to talk you out of anything because I, I know when you live in sin or when you've sinned, you feel like you're not even a believer. But that won't make you not a Christian. I'm talking about have you ever given your life to Christ? Secondly, if you have given your life to Christ, man, I'm telling you, I know this is, you know, I'm not going to make anybody come up here and pray and we're not going to go to the altar. We're not going to send you out with counselors or anything like that. But here's what I do want you to do. You're about to go into your small groups and your small group leaders have some questions and just some things they're going to ask you tonight. There needs to be some great repentance from us because here's what I believe with all my heart. I want you to hear me. I used to tell our college kids this. I believe this with everything that I got. People who are totally sold out to God, including every one of you, could change this city. Do you believe that? You could change this world. God did it with 12 fishermen from Galilee. Every one of us sit here tonight as an example and testimony of their obedience to God. When Jesus said, go, they did, and the message got to us. Here's what, I'm, here's what I do know. All over this room tonight, maybe in your small groups, just repent. Say, Lord, I want to be used by you. And God, I want to make a difference in this world. I'm a disciple who needs to be a disciple maker. Because alive things move. You've made me alive. I am no longer dead. It is you and me, and I'm going to count on you to do it. So I'm going to walk to the back. Ben, you guys close it however you'd like to close it tonight. I want you to know this. I have two kids in this group. I know exactly how your parents feel. Sometimes we think we get it wrong. God always reminds me you have to make the decisions on your own to follow Jesus I'd like to follow Jesus for all my kids but they have to make their own decisions and tonight either for the first time or some kind of repentance and commitment to God again I challenge everybody in this room choose Jesus on your own. The best thing I ever did. Lord, thank you for your love, your grace, and your mercy. There is nobody like you. If anybody deserves to be followed, Lord, it is you. We are dead to us. And if we are alive,